The talk you're about to listen to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. All right, thanks. Um, welcome, guys. I'm glad to be speaking with you tonight. Um, and by the way, you guys crushed the EveryStudent.com outreach. Um, before all this happened, right before spring break, um, you guys did such a great job um, advertising, getting it out there. So um, we're actually, I, I was even talking with my bosses today. They want to like hear back um, from some of us um, because they've seen good results from it. So yeah, great job. How I many of you guys are sick of Zoom? Anybody Zoomed out yet? <clears throat> Just about everybody. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm really glad you guys are um, choosing to do one more Zoom thing in your week. Um, it, we really value this community, and man, I'm just makes me happy to see you guys um, plugging away. Um, I'm hoping that this thing ends relatively soon, but it is what week five ish. We should be slowly getting used to some semblance of this. Um, my my life has been really interesting. Um, today the kids the, today was like lego day with the kids um and so our living room floor has just had legos from like one end to the other um and you guys i don't know if you guys are like um were lego kids or not but man you remember the hardest part of legos was always finding the freaking piece right um and my kids have enough sets that i they're like, dad, can you help me find? And so I'm like, I've been on the floor, like sorting through Legos. Um, but that's part of my life now, um, doing that kind of stuff. So hopefully you guys are hanging in there. Um, we are glad, we're glad that you're here. So one of the things that you may have noticed um, during this time that Christians are kind of putting out there in front of everyone's um, kind of in front of their face is um, pushing prayer. Um, maybe your churches uh, have put on some new events on like, hey, join us in prayer. Let's bathe what's happening in prayer. Um, even crew, if you were on last week, we kicked off a 40-day prayer thing that um, the churches in town here are doing like a 24-7 prayer thing. Um, the church is pretty big right now on, hey, let's pray. Let's let's link arms. Um, and I honestly, there have been times where I'm like, oh man, it's just too much. We're doing so much stuff. What's going on? Um, but tonight I, I really do want to challenge us. I want to challenge you myself on how we view prayer, um, the way we perceive it. Um, and not necessarily to, to, for you to like get involved in every prayer thing. That's not that's not the goal. Really, the goal is, um, can we look at scripture and allow ourselves to be challenged at um, this incredible thing that is that is given to us? So I want to start actually by um, doing a poll. Actually, maybe I should start with prayer, right? That seems fitting. Let me do that. Um, <laughs> double, double thumbs up from Mel. Thanks. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Pray, Lord, we ask you uh, for your blessing tonight. We thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, we, we thank you that um, you know, we get to spend time together in your word, um, inter in interact and engage with each other. Lord, would you bless this time? Would you be with us? Um, we're so thankful that your spirit, there's no spot on the earth where your spirit isn't. 
um, that you're with us and that your church um, is spread out all over the world. And so we're thankful for the unity that comes um, from being in you. And Lord, we just pray that you bless uh, this time together. Um, Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Um, so yeah, I put the, my phone number in there. If you've got, if you want to text me a question uh, related to prayer in any kind of fashion, um, I, I'm happy to field those afterwards. Um, but we're going to start with a poll, and I want to just preface the poll. It's just two questions, um, and I'll give you like a you know a quick minute to to do it. Um, but it's a question about prayer, and I just want you to be honest. So. Like, it's totally anonymous, and the point isn't, like, some people will, like, maybe feel, oh, shoot, I, I don't feel good about my prayer life or whatever. I, I Really, all I want to see is, like, hey, where are we? Um, what does it look like right now for us? What's the reality? So, no judgment at all. Just want to take, you know, like a thermometer and, and take stock of, of where we are. So, um, I will launch it right now. So, you should be seeing that pop up. Um, and I will let that be live for a little bit and I'll shut up so you can actually have some mind space to think. All right. 10 more seconds and then I'll, I'll be closing it out. Boom. Everyone voted. Check it. All right, I'm going to end this thing and see if everyone, can everyone see the results? Sweet. And I think you can scroll up and down. But there we go. Um, so we answered, There's uh, which of the following is most true about you? And I think it increases. And as you can see, like the bar graph increases. The most popular is um, I pray multiple times a day, um, 41%. Cool, cool. Um, and then... At the bottom, what's true about your desire? It looks like 14% um, have a desire to pray more, but there's different barriers that, that keep you from it. Um, 21% say, wish God would create more desire in me to pray. And then the lion's share is both of the above statements are true for me. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for, thanks for participating in that. Um, I think for me, the answer to that question, that, that second one, is both of those statements are true. There's no point in my life um, where I felt like, man, I'm, I'm content with where I am in my, in my prayer walk. Um, it's consistently been true that, one, I want my heart to grow more to prayer um, and barriers. And, and for me, probably the biggest barrier is um, – I always feel like time is, is the issue. Like, man, I could pray or I could like get these things done for my job, or I could go like do these things that are fun and prayer often can lose out, um, can be squeezed out in my day. Um, so yeah. And I think overwhelmingly this is probably true across the church that people wish that their hearts were more inclined to pray and that they wish um, they had more time or that there weren't things keeping them um, um, from prayer. And the thing about prayer is um, you, you may wonder, like, well, what's the, what's the use of prayer? Does it actually do anything? Does it actually provide, provide anything? And I, and I think probably a lot of the reason we don't pray has to do um, with what we believe about prayer. Um, what it can do. I, I, when I was in 
Uh, I, this conversation with my grandma is burned in my mind. Um, I was in Austria, so my like extended family um, it lives in Austria. I'm actually, you know, from Austria. Grew up here though, and um, I was talking with my grandma and just sharing about life. And we're like worlds apart, not only you know physically but spiritually. We're just worlds apart. Um, she grew up. Uh, most of Europe is Roman Catholic, but I was just talking about prayer, you know, that I, that I, that I pray, um, that would take time to pray. And she was just like, why do you pray? Like, what's, what's the use of prayer? Um, she believes in, she believes in God, but she does not believe that God in any way involves himself in the day-to-day, um, world that we live in. Right. Um, that he doesn't do anything, he doesn't respond. He kind of set the world in motion and then just kind of has stepped away and is letting mankind do whatever it wants. Um, and to me, that was just very foreign. I've always thought, you know, prayer is significant, it is important. But then, to some extent, even though I'm maybe shocked to hear her say that, in my heart of hearts, I may believe something similar to that, that God doesn't actually respond uh, a whole lot to prayer. Um, and, and even wondering, you know, here's the thing about prayer. When we pray, generally we're praying to emptiness, right? God is invisible. He's not right there with us in the sense that we can see him um, physically with our eyes. Um, and so there's this, there's this like, I'm praying into the air and I'm in some ways trusting, right? Now, I, I'm willing to believe that... If we sat down to pray, if you like tonight went down, you know, went, I don't know how you, how you do it in bed or um, in a chair, but if you went to pray and you spoke to God and then God audibly spoke back to you, my guess is that every one of us would pray a whole lot more um, just to be able to hear him speaking back, hear him do, you know, um, and not to say that God doesn't speak. He does speak. Um, but often it's this quiet voice. It's the, it's the spirit, um, whispering to us. Um, but man, if, if there was a consistent, you know, the way I'd act, you know, hang out with any of you guys and there was a consistent response back, man, um, that would be awesome. But prayer isn't that prayer is us praying to God. And in that, it is every time we pray, it is actually an act of faith. You are stepping out in faith and trusting that your words are not being spoken to emptiness. Your words are actually being received and heard, first of all, by God, right? There's two things. One, that they're heard by God, that God wants to commune with us. He wants to relate to us. He wants to hear what's going on in our lives, um, he wants to relate to us. He wants to engage with us. He wants to build that relationship with us, right? So first, that he hears, and second, that he actually responds, that he actually does something with our prayers, right? And um, more specifically with our requests, that he actually moves. Um, and that's, that's where I'm a little surprised at the scriptures when it talks about prayer, and that's what I want to do. Um, that's what I want to do tonight. And, and really mo- ma- mainly focusing on the power of prayer and thinking about what actually is the potency in prayer. And the hope is that we would look at some texts, be a little challenged by that, and maybe that would spur us on. Um, I know that this is this kind of thing 
looking at scripture challenges me um, to trust that God actually does incredible things through prayer, that he responds. Um, so I want to look at six passages. Um, I'm going to run through them relatively quickly. Um, if you have a, a, a pencil, paper, pen, something to jot down, uh, I'm going to read these six passages kind of back to back. I'm going to leave a little space. But what I want you to do is kind of jot down. Here's what I want you to be thinking about, right? Um, I want you to be thinking about what are the promises given? What is God saying is going to happen? What words does he use? What things jump out? Um, as, I, as I read the six passages, you're going to notice like the, some of them are very similar. Um, some of you are going to be like, they all sound exactly the same. And other you're going to tease out, ooh, there's, there's a couple of these differences happening from passage to passage. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through each six, give you a little space to think about what is this verse saying? What's the sweeping promise that's in this verse? Um, and then you can go ahead and um, jot down one or two things. Um, and then what we're going to do, we'll, we'll go into breakout groups and talk about those passages um, so we're going to do like our breakout time discussions kind of in the middle of um, my talk with you guys. Uh, and then, and then we'll pull back and then I have a, a whole bunch of things I want to kind of share. Um, does that make sense? We good? All right. So I'm actually going to go ahead and give you the passages um, in the chat, but I am going to also do a little screen share because I have these up on PowerPoint. Um, can everyone see the PowerPoint? We get okay, sweet. Um, all right. So the first passage um, is in John, and and most of these, actually, I think all of these, Jesus is speaking and talking about. Um, he's the one making these promises. Um, so they're all found in the gospel. So the first one's John fourteen thirteen through fourteen. Says this: Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So again, uh, jot down what, what word maybe jumps out to you. What's the sweeping promise? Um, yeah, it's John 14, 13 through 14. The next one is John, ooh, how do I advance this thing? There we go, John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Um, and again, as we're looking at these verses, focus on like the promise um, and the extent of the promise. John fifteen sixteen, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Next one, John 16, 23 and 24. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Give you a second there. If there's anything you want to jot down from that one. We got two more. Next is Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Jesus says, again, I say to you, 
that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. And then the last one, and actually um, for this last one, we'll, we'll actually come back and analyze this one. Um, and and make, I'll, I'll make some observations um, on it. But Mark 11, 22 through 24, st- Jesus, and Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. All right. So those are our passages. Um, and I am going to have, um, we're going to go into a time, but before we do, before James splits us off into different groups to kind of chat about those verses, uh, I want to go through the questions that I want you to be talking about um, in the breakout time. Let me just throw that in the chat here. Boom. All right. So here, here's, here's what I want you guys to be talking about. First, compare your notes on the passages, right? What did you, what jumped out at you? Um, what did you notice? What, what were the promises um, that, you, that you noticed? Second, um, generally talk, what, what's your reaction to these verses? Um, some of you are, are in, invigorated, right? And it's like, Ooh, this is, this is awesome. Others of you may have some slightly different reactions to it. Um, is it too good to be true? You feel like there's too much power in prayer. Um, did Jesus really give it, give a lot away here? Um, and then the third question, um, if you get to it, um, but if you do, that'd be great. Do you have any stories of seeing the power of prayer? Um, have you witnessed it? Have you been part of it? And maybe just share some stories. So we'll go ahead. Uh, James, if you could do that, it'd be awesome. And then we'll, we'll come back. All right. Hey, we're uh, slowly going to start getting people back. Um, but hey, if you if you did have a story to share, um, go ahead and like put put in the the message the um, chat on the side. Um, I'm pretty sure I can unmute you. I thought, I thought you know as we're kind of waiting for people to slowly come back, maybe a couple of us could share. Did you have any stories? Did anyone share any stories of like? Um, Ooh, Kelly, you're getting called out. Sounds like you got a story, perhaps. Hate myself? Oh. Oh, I'm speaking. Oh, hey, guys. So um, I was just telling a story um, about when we were in PCB, and um, day a lot of people know the story, um, but day one, we were out on the beaches, and I decided to stay back with Jordan and we were going to like pray and walk and um, yeah, just look for people that were like evangelizing on the beaches and we were going to pray for them. Um, and so we, this is like a really long story, but I'll tell the shortened version. Um, so we were like sitting on a picnic bench and I think the first group that we saw was Hunter and Brandon. 
Um, and we were like, oh, awesome. We know them. Let's pray for them. Um, and then later in the day, um, we ended up being on the beach for a separate reason. Um, and um, we saw two people from um, Epic. And I was like, I, like, I didn't know them, but I like recognized them. And I was like, they were sitting with two girls. And I was like, oh, I'm going to pray for them quick. And Jordan was like, all right, yeah, you do that. So I prayed for them. And um, it was like super short. I was just like, God, bless that conversation. Bring them to you or something. Um, and then later we like came back all together as a group. And it turned out that there was somebody that prayed to accept Christ in the group that Brandon Hunter was talking to. And then the two girls that I saw with the boys from Epic prayed to accept Christ. So it was like super cool um, for me and Jordan, I think, because, you know, when you're like sitting back and praying, you kind of feel like you're on, you're not really on the front lines like everybody else, but God totally proved us wrong. He was like, no, you're on the front lines. Like, yeah. So it was just awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. That's yeah, really cool. Totally cool. I love that story. It's so great. God, God is willing to move um, yeah. and is ready to, I, I shared a story and if, you know, someone else wants to volunteer someone, or if you want to, you know, post in the chat, if you have a short story to share, maybe we'll do one more. Um, but I, I shared a story and I don't have time to, to tell it, but it involves um, getting ready, getting ready for our first rental ever in our house. And the story has bees, vacuum cleaner, me getting electrocuted, um, opening a box that I purchased from Target, like a, a an airbed um, that I had purchased like weeks ago and I opened it up and it was not the product that was on the outside of the box, um, which was a problem. And all of that, I was like, as I was driving to Target to see like if they believe me, I prayed to God um, this little prayer and man, he, he flipped the whole thing. It was incredible. He fixed everything. Um, and someday I gotta, I gotta share that. Um, I gotta share that story. But anyway, yeah, thanks for sharing. I, prayer is, is an incredible thing. Like it's huge. Um, and the more times we get to like share those stories, the more we'll, we believe like, that, that that's the case. But let's go look at Mark 11 again. I want to make a couple observations um, on this passage. So in Mark 11, um, 20 and 21, um, it says, uh, man, am I in the right spot here? Um, uh, 22 through 24. There we go. And Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It will be granted to him. And therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Now, it's always good when you read these passages to kind of see uh, all of them. I, I ripped like six of them right out of context, um, not intentionally or not um, in a misleading kind of way. But if you're going to study these passages, you, you want to go back to you know, what's happening in the story, what's going on, what's preceded this, um, to get a good idea and a good grasp of like all that's happening in the passage. Um, so for instance, in this one that starts in um, verse 20, what was Jesus doing right before this? Something had actually happened. Um, in verse 20, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. 
being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. So the setup is um, they're going into the temple, and but, but, but before they went into the temple, Jesus sees this fig tree, and this fig tree has not been producing any figs at all. Um, and by the way, it's not the season for figs, so it's kind of like inappropriate. This is a totally separate discussion, but it wouldn't have produced figs this time of the year anyhow. But Jesus says to this fig tree, because it didn't have any fruit on it, he curses the fig tree. Um, and then they go in to the temple and they come back out. And when they come back out, sure enough, that fig tree has withered, um, which is a supernatural event, right? It takes a while for something to wither. And then, you know, it takes, it takes days to see that visually happen. And they come back and the disciples are like, whoa, this tree withered. I can't believe this just happened. And that's where Jesus enters in and says, I tell you, um, you can tell this mountain to go hop into the ocean and it'll do it. Um, and, and I think we need to sit in that, you know, um, what is he doing there? Why a mountain, right? Why choose a mountain being tossed into the ocean? Um, especially after cursing a fig tree, right? Um, and I can't get into the backstory. There's actually some significance to the fig tree and it, it, it functions as a metaphor. Um, but it seems like a very weird thing to ask God to do, right? Can we agree? Like, Hey, can you curse this plant? You know, and then, and then God curses it. Um, but then Jesus launches from that and says this huge mountain. And we think about mountains as these kind of eternal, non-movable things in the world. I mean, I don't know that there's a better metaphor that you can use of something immovable. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you can ask a mountain to move and God will do it. He will make it move. Um, so um, I want to be completely honest with you. So this is, this is kind of bizarre to think about. I actually do not like this passage of scripture. Um, and I know that's weird for me to say or bizarre. Um, in fact, if I was allowed to rip one portion of scripture out of the Bible, um, I would be this, it would be these two verses um, right here. I'm going to explain why, and I'm not going to do that. Um, uh, but I think, I think it'd be actually a fun exercise um, to think about what passage of scripture would you, if it, you know, if you were able to do so, because you don't like it or you don't like the implications of the passage, what would you rip out? Um, it'd be interesting to think about it. I mean, if you do think of a passage, you can toss it in the chat and we won't, we won't judge. Um, but the idea is not to think about um, actually ripping it out, but to really stay for a second and wonder why is it that I would want that not to be in the scriptures. And I want to explain a little bit why I do not like this passage. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit and then explain that I can't do that and I must deal with what Jesus is saying in this passage, I need to be challenged by it and I need to take it seriously. When he says, um, when he makes this crazy promise that I could toss a mountain, I could pray for a mountain to be moved into the sea um, and that all things I pray, if I ask and believe that they'll be granted. Okay, does that make sense? So um, why don't I like it? So there's two 
there's really two reasons. One, um, it's a little too much um, is really the bottom line. I, uh, I, there's part of me that's like, God, you, that's too much power to give into the hands of me. Why would you give me the power to uproot a mountain? Um, I, I, it's way too much. In fact, and then, you know, whatever prideful way I think about me not liking it, I sure don't want it in the hands, that kind of power in the hands of other Christians who might pray, who knows what kind of crazy things, right? I don't, there's part of me, I don't know if you saw, you know, uh, not Evan Almighty, what was the first one called? Something Almighty, um, where everyone's prayers just get answered. Bruce Almighty. Thanks, Josh. Um, so that same thing, right? We're going to have a problem and everyone's, it, the world's just going to be chaotic. So um, for me, it's just too much, entirely too much. And so my reaction to the passage, and most of you probably noted when we went through the six, um, we, what, what we want to do with dangerous passages of scripture is we want to put fences up around them. Meaning uh, the passage doesn't really mean that. Um, in fact, what it means is if you pray according to this way or according to this thing, uh, when Jesus says that we need to die to ourselves, right, that we need to give up our lives, well, he doesn't mean my career. He just means, you know, generally speaking, if I, you know, follow him. We try to put up these, when Jesus makes these statements, put up these fences. Um, and I think that is legitimate to some degree. I think there are some true fences. So. Just a little side detour, because this isn't the main point. Um, there are some fences. You might have noticed um, when Jesus offers, I will respond to your prayers. The first thing is that it's in his name. That's, that's something he mentions. If you pray this in my name. Second, um, in the context of these verses, you'll notice that Jesus is not speaking to the general public. You can go back and, and search this out and see you know, if that's true or not. Um, but it is. He is speaking to his disciples and his close followers, those who have in many ways already decided, I am picking up my cross, I am denying myself, and I'm following him. He is speaking to those individuals. Um, so if you're a follower of Christ, right, and you've taken up the cross and your life is his life, he's speaking to you. Um, and I think the third one, it, which I think is true, is that um, and there's an understanding that God can say no. Um, God is not some genie who is going to say yes to absolutely everything that you request. There are uh, a handful of scriptures of believers and even Jesus himself who prays to the Father, and the answer is no, right? Um, and you've prayed enough to know, like God says, no, right? Um, but that's what we do, right? But I want to set that aside, right? Those fences, if you will, that we do, um, because we do need to take the challenge of the passage and really consider what it's saying. Um, so the second reason I don't like this passage is because I think it can lead to arrogance and a lot of presumption from Christians. And this, in many ways, can get under my skin. Um, and I, I have two examples of this. Um, one, I don't know if you guys know who Kenneth Copeland is. He's been making a little bit of a splash in the media. He is um, a TV evangelist. And um, just recently, as this coronavirus was like coming on, early on, he, he prayed um, 
and and spoke into the TV screen a stopping of the coronavirus. Um, and actually, a ha- couple days ago, um, he spoke over it and prayed that it would stop and said, we, he used the language um, of this passage saying, we believe that it's done. It's done. We, we know and we stand on the fact that there will be no more new cases, that on American soil, it will be completely done and finished. Um, and I don't know, I don't know his heart, right? And I don't know where he's coming from. Um, but when I hear him praying that, um, it feels to me like presumption. Um, it feels to me like you you believe that this will happen um, and that God must must respond to you because of the level of faith. So that, to me, um, I, there's part of me that's like, yeah, but there's no room for God to actually have a different plan in place. Um, the other example is a little more close to home. There's a, Joanna um, had ties to a church um, that it was really a phenomenal church, but, um, one of their members, Lynn, he got ALS, Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease. And if you know anything about Lou Gehrig's, it is, um, it's a terrifying, it's a terrifying disease where, um, you start losing ability to move your body and it starts uh, at the extremities, your toes, your fingers, and slowly moves to your core. Um, and we watched Lynn over a handful of years, um, slowly move to, from, you know, still being able to walk around and shake your hands, um, to having to be in a wheelchair, um, to losing the function of speech. Um, then, uh, ultimately not being able to breathe. And that's generally how someone with Lou Gehrig's dies. Um, and we watched the slow progression of him, um, but the church, as this was happening, as he was declining in health, the church kept ramping up their faith in God, that God was going to do something miraculous in Lynn's, mind, in Lynn's life. Um, and they kept coming at it with the same attitude of this prayer. He's going to do this. He's going to make this happen. He's going, he's, God is going to do. And, and that, that the more Lynn declined, the more amazing the thing is that God was going to do. There was this tenacious hold. They even, um, towards the end, printed out T-shirts with this passage printed on the T-shirts um, and a lot of hope. Even when he passed away, the church believed. There were members in the church believe, believing that God was going to raise him from the dead within a couple days. Um, and now it's been a, a couple years. Um, and I think um, so much was put on that faith, um, that it really, it really, um, shook people in the church and and it really affected them negatively. Um, so I think there's some strain of this that I really don't like, and yet the passage is still here, right? It still exists. And I need to, with everything I've just said, um, that I, that I don't like, and I don't appreciate, and, and, um, I have let my alarm bells go off. I need to, and you need to honestly look at this passage and take it in. Um, if you are a follower of Christ, you can move mountains. I want to read it one more time. He says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes 
that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. He's saying, believe that you've already received them and it will be done. What I look at and I see presumption um, is actually something in the text that he wants us to do. Um, and where, wherever you might land theologically on the passage, I don't have the luxury of ripping it out. I can't do that, right? I, I need to let my mind be shaped by scriptures. Um, and I need to take this verse seriously. And what that means is my faith needs to grow. Um, even if I disagree with someone else's, what I might perceive someone else's heart is on this, I actually need to um, take seriously the fact that my prayer can do incredible things. And how do I know? How do I know? And how can you know whether you really believe that prayer shapes and moves your life, your friends' lives, the people around you? It is, uh, it is in looking at, do I pray? Um, do I actually sit down and pray? Do I actually take the time to pray? I think that is where we can know. If I believed it, if I really do believe that there's potent power in prayer, I would be on my knees quite a bit. Um, and so as I'm even sharing these things, I, um, I, I actually am being challenged myself, right? Um, Jesus prayed often, often. He would go on his own and pray. And I believe he actually, throughout, as he walked on the earth, I mean, he was, as he was talking with disciples, he was in constant communion with God and asking them. Even on the night on which he was betrayed, he was asking that God the Father would protect Peter, right? Would protect his faith. Um, and so, um, yeah, we've got a passage over here that you might get rid of. Yeah, David's sleeping with Bathsheba and killing Uriah. Yeah, it just, it's no good. Yeah, we could do away with that one too. All right, so here's my challenge for you guys as we kind of close out here. Um, I challenge you to think of one thing. What is one thing that you would really love to see God move? Um, something personal in your life, um, maybe a family member, uh, a friend of yours. What is something that you could lay before the Lord and say, I really want to trust you? with this one thing. And the challenge is write that on a post-it note um, or put it on a note card, shove it somewhere where you'll see it time and again, and actually say, I want to believe you for this. I want to trust you for this. Um, And honestly, and this is how I deal with, like, as I, if I'm going to move into this dangerous territory of trusting and believing God for something incredible, um, I will feel better about it if I throw in my, um, but Lord, I want to submit to your will, right? If this is not something you want to have happen, would you let me know? Would you change my heart on this? But I want to trust you. I want to grow my faith in, in believing in prayer. Um, so that's my challenge, you know? Uh, I don't want you to walk away being like, oh man, now I got to like do the 40 day prayer and join my church's prayer thing and do like the crew Saturday prayer every week. I don't want you to hear that at all. Um, But what can we do to to grow that? Um, What can we do to trust the Lord that he actually um, does and want to do incredible things? Um, 
Okay, so I'm going to answer some questions here. I think my phone's been buzzing here. Oh, gosh, there's a lot. So I may not be able to take all of them. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a start here. So you said we often pray into a nothingness. Do you picture God in any way when you pray? Um, do you picture him on a throne, Jesus in shiny clothes, etc.? Should we try to picture God? Um, that's a great question. So, yeah, when I pray, um, I don't often visualize God. Um, I don't have a face in front of me. Um, and, and that's, that's not, if you, if, if that's you, like you picture God and you actually see him dressed a certain way or, um, being a certain way, that's totally fine. I think each of us do things differently. Um, uh, when I dream, I rarely see features of anything with clarity. Um, it's rare that I have vivid dreams. Um, I, there's concepts, ideas. I just think mentally, I don't, I don't see people's faces with acuity. And actually, I sometimes have trouble even describing people when they're not like right in front of me. Um, so I'm just saying like, I don't visualize God's face at all. Um, generally, if I'm thinking about his omnipotence or him moving or his love, I think of those concepts and I think about like what he is for me and to me, um, what he's done. I think of some of the action things that he's done. Um, but you can picture him. The danger of maybe sticking with one picture of God uh, as you visualize him is um, maybe being constrained by all that that picture represents. Because um, God is a father, but he's also a warrior, right? Um, he's also a shepherd. Um, and we could think of a number of images of who God is, his, his omnipotence or his intimacy. And those, those would maybe conjure different pictures of who God is, if that makes sense. Um, so I would just say you could picture, I remember sometimes we would pray and we'd actually sit an empty chair in the room. Uh, that might sound weird, but it's like, oh, we invite Jesus to sit in this chair and not really, but it was a way of like remembering he's actually here in the room with me, right? He's actually there where two or three are gathered he is right he's there he's in you um and so sometimes that's helpful to be like oh empty chair that's and it can be a little hokey or a little weird but it does something to help you actually engage with the presence of god so i think it's it's no problem to imagine jesus um or to visualize as you're praying to him uh, but i would just say don't get locked into one view um you want your you want your view of God to be expansive because um, he's more he's generally more um, than what we what we would imagine. Cool. Uh, if I don't pray for it, will it not happen? For example, if a loved one is dying, could my prayer change the outcome? My answer is actually yes. Um, the and that I think is true by um, the inverse of logic. If my prayers actually change things, the inverse of that would logically be if I don't pray, that thing won't happen. Um, when we did the study of James, you might remember the passage in chapter five. Um, I think it was five, maybe it was four, where James says, you do not have because you do not ask. And what he's implying there is you could have had something, but you didn't ask for it. Um, and because you didn't ask for it, because you didn't pray, you didn't get it. 
Um, I think it is true that we miss out on things. Um, we miss benefiting others. And yeah, even potentially um, having lives be saved or having someone be impacted. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I don't think it overrides God's will. When God wants something to happen, what you'll notice in scripture uh, is he will raise up someone who will pray for um, and on behalf of those people. Does that make sense? So he, he's never thwarted in his plans. Um, and God, every time he moves, generally he picks someone to be an interceder, someone to be, um, to, someone to pray that thing into existence. So, yeah. How are we doing on time, uh, James? Are we good? Can I take a couple more? Maybe like one more question. All right. One more question. All right. Man, there's actually like four more. Uh, which one do I do? Okay. What's the difference between praying with belief slash expectation in God's ability and praying presumptuously? Okay. Let me see if I can get my head around this a little. What's the difference between praying with belief slash expectation in God's ability and praying presumptuously. Okay. So I think um, what you mean in, is um, what, what there's, a, a, there's a fine line here um, between the difference between I am praying that this thing will happen. Right. And I believe it will happen. And I have the faith that God will do this thing, right? Um, so that would be my category of like praying presumptuously. You really believe it's going to happen. And that's what this passage says, right? You believe in some essence, you've already received that thing, right? That's the praying presumptuously. Um, the fence I usually build is like, I believe that God could do anything, right? And so what I will do is I'll pray like, Lord, would you save this person's life? Would you move this mountain? Would you do this? Would you do this thing? And what I'm what, what I'm doing is I'm saying, Lord, I know that you can do this. I know that you can do this. I have faith that you can do this. So would you do it? And I have a hard time bringing myself from asking God to do it and, and saying, Lord, I believe you will do it. I have a hard time making, jumping that. Um, and I know a lot of people are, are fine staying over here. And I have a hard time arguing against it because of this passage of scripture, right? And so I think I need to exercise a little, Lord, I want to trust you for this. And I want to believe actually that you're going to do this. Um, but I, that's where I see the categorical difference. Um, the thing that I do to rest easy is by saying, you know, Lord, would you do it? I know you can. And then wrestling in my heart, will he actually do it? Right. Um, I believe God can do a lot of things. And the thing that God needs to challenge me with and work in my heart is that is I don't actually believe he'll do a lot of things. I know he can, but I don't think he will. And that's where I need this passage to really settle in my heart and challenge my faith. Um, but that's, that's maybe kind of the difference between those two. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm happy to answer, um, more at some, at some other time, but, um, let me pray. Um, and then we'll toss it to the MCs. Lord, um, I thank you that, Lord, I thank you, first of all, that your word does not exactly match up with everything that I want it to be. Um, 
Lord, it just speaks the truth that your ways are higher than my ways. And that even my desires or my wants, they need to be bent to your will and what you say is true. And so I'm thankful for passages that challenge me, um, that I may even really desire not to be true um, or really wrestle with. But Lord, I affirm that it is, in fact, true, um, that, that what you speak on prayer is true. Um, and Lord, would you build that in our hearts? I pray that we would, um, even this, the next couple of weeks, that you would place on our hearts things to pray about and that we would really believe that you will move. Um, would you build in that in us in a proper way? I, I ask, um, Lord, whatever I'm fearful of in presuming or assuming things about you and your holiness, Lord, I, I pray that I would just give that over to you. Um, I trust that if I am presuming that you will step in, your spirit will step in. Um, So I pray, Lord, as we come before you, that we wouldn't be arrogant, that we wouldn't overstep bounds, that we trust that your Holy Spirit will be the thing to keep us in check. Um, But Lord, we we want to see you move in us to take more steps of faith, to really believe um, that you move through prayer. I ask these things in your holiness and in your preciousness. Amen. The talk you have just listened to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. Crew is a community where the gospel captures hearts, transforms lives, and launches men and women into a lifelong adventure with Jesus Christ. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. That's PennStateCRU.org. This talk is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. You are free to copy and distribute this talk to others as long as you do not do it for commercial purposes or alter, transform, or build upon this talk in any way.